Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Gateway Comics and Toys. Gateway is located at 2368 Plank Road in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our website is gatewaycomicsandtoys.com where you can find more information including hours, new releases, and specials for the week. Our social media is under Gateway Comics and Toys as well, so you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, November 4th. Um, if you were looking for us last week, we had a, an abrupt and sudden cancellation. Both Tommy and Olivia was out, and Enos was going to be running late, and Mab and I did not know enough about the subject matter to solo that puppy, so I'm like, I'm not even going to try. But we're back this week, so... Um, and you know this. Yes. So uh, I am your host, Randall. I've got my partners in crime. Enos, say Hello. Hello. Tommy. Hello. Olivia. Hello. And Madman running the boards for Sorry us. Sorry for that mistake there at the beginning. I was going to say, did that carry over on the air? Yeah. <laughs> got a little bit on the air. <laughs> was, that the, um, was that the startup sound for Winamp? No, it was, a, it was the beginning of another show. Okay. Oh, the intro for another show. Well, we just we can't well. have that. Yeah. All right. So um, how have everyone's last couple of weeks been? It's been good. Good. Fantastic. Interesting. Fairly good. Um, so, uh, I guess let's just go right into the news then. Um, Hey, Olivia, I'm always going to start moving your news item to the bottom now, um, because of the new feature we talked about last Saturday. Um, and we can just work that in at the end of it. Um, so my news item is actually was last week's news item, but I, I felt that it still merited being discussed this week. Um, CW has premiered their first look at the new Batwoman, um, which is Ryan Wilder. Is Ryan Wilder the actress or the character? Um, oh, right. That's the character. Javicia Leslie Javisha is the actress. Leslie is the actress. What I find interesting about this, um, they premiered that to coincide with the same time that she premiered in um, the, the, um, the Batwoman comic. Right. Which I thought that's very interesting that they tied it that closely together. It's kind of like... Um, I don't know how many of you have to remember this. Back when Lois and Clark, the new adventures with Superman was on ABC, mm-hmm. they told DC to push the wedding back so that they right. could tie it into the comic. Right. So, but yeah, so that was uh, the uh, news item I had. I just thought it was kind of interesting that they were tying that directly into the comic itself with the timing on it. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering how this is going to work because, you know, as someone that watched Batwoman, that story wasn't done. I don't know. I guess too many people yeah. didn't like Ruby, so. Well, I, well, she quit voluntarily. But, I think you know it was something to do. You know, it was her own choice. I, I think she just it was just too much for her or something. I don't know. I exactly think she quit was, because she was getting hatred no. for the, the the role. Uh, yeah. but the but they were the way they've got it written is like they haven't written Kate out of the story. She is just going to be like um, 
I honestly I can't remember exactly what they said she's going to do, but it's open where she could come back. So Ruby Rose is not from being gone as Kate Kane is not a done deal. It's it's going to be a lot like back when they had that that short-lived um, Birds of Prey series, mm. where they never actually told you what was wrong with where Batman was, just that he wasn't in the city. Right. Um, which was always it, always paved the way to well, if the show really tanks, we'll just bring Batman in. Right. <laughs> and 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 the show did tank and did the final episode. Um, Bruce Wayne was behind everything. Because uh, um, Alfred was talking to him on the phone that when the show when when that last final episode aired, so it was like Batman was nowhere to be seen, but he was everywhere. There was only three good things about that show: Dina Meyer, uh, uh, and, 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 and Ashley Scott. Scott. Yeah, and I, and I'm gonna tell you, I have to admit, Dina Meyer made one one gorgeous Barbara Gordon. Well, I remember her from Starship Troopers too. Ah, uh, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, look, actually, Scott, uh, later on was on, um, Jericho, I think it was. Oh, yeah. So, that was good. All right, let's move right along before we start digressing and, and it becomes, uh, everybody listening to Two Dirty Old Men. Tommy, what's your new story? My new story is Superman and Lois was going to air its first episode on Tuesday, February 23rd at 9 o'clock, right after The Flash concludes its season 7 premiere. Nice. So, um, and they, that's right, they started filming that again last month, um, I'm really curious how these TV shows are filming with the COVID concerns. Well, if you watch yeah. the soap operas, you'd have a good idea. Are they all wearing masks on the soap operas? No, they're like about 100 yards away, away <laughs> from each other talking. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you're trying to convince us that you're carrying on a normal conversation, but you're halfway across the room where you... It, you remember remember the, the scene in Shazam? When Savannah was talking, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And uh, oh, Zachary yeah, Levi was yeah. like, huh? Uh, are you what? Saying anything right I can't, did I can't, you I can't say something? You. What? Well, that's how I see <laughs> That is a great you scene. I right. picture you as the days of our lives guy. Yeah, are we going to walk right past the fact that you keep up with modern soap operas? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I have a mother. <laughs> To be honest with you, I don't watch them. I happen to be going to get some lunch. My mom was, she watches them in the living room and they're on. And I have her like, what the? And I look Dude, and have, they were all far apart from each other. You can yeah. totally admit that you time your lunch at 1225 so you can watch Young and the Restless nah. and then go back to work. I haven't watched I Young and the you, Restless. Oh my God. See, just the fact that you had to qualify that is already yes. a problem. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is a comic <laughs> book show. That's all right. Hey, man. So Although they, I will admit, I did watch Young and the Restless, too. Hey, oh, look. <laughs> hey, well, look, well, if you want to be technical, Christopher Reeve got his start on a soap I mean, opera. All right, moving right along. <laughs> so, Edith, what is, uh, did Tommy, did you have another new story other than Lois or uh, Superman? No, that was my story. Uh, I can't remember what the title of the show is. What was the title? Superman, Superman and Lois. Superman and Lois. All right. All right, folks. 23, 9 folks, check it out. Oh, yeah. Um, my news store is just in the DVD department. Um, go to your local Walmart. I'm my One of my DVD picks is um, Batman, Death and the Family Interactive Blu-ray. Um, some great stories, great art. But if you're going to buy it for, for the Batman nostalgic reasons, there's another great reason to buy it. They are this like the Superman uh, Shazam, the Return of Black Adam um, direct-to-DVD movie, they had the first series of shorts for the DC Showcase. This one does the same thing. You have Sergeant Rock, Adam Strange, the Phantom Stranger, 
and from the world of Neil Gaiman, Death. Oh, very nice. That, that <clears throat> the Death story is. I highly recommend watching that. Very surreal, but very, very good. Jamie Chung does an excellent job voicing her, and it's and and it's it's very well done. And as we was talking on Saturday, I've never read Sad Man. I've read Neil Gaiman's Batman work, but um, I never uh, read Sandman and Between You and Olivia and seeing this death short because I very, was very, my curiosity was picked by the uh, death, the high cost of living series by Jill Thompson back a few years back, but I never put my hands on and read it. I think I'm going to have to um, stock up on some there's Sandman. A, there's a great scene with death where Morpheus, Sandman, mm -hmm. is sitting on a park bench, and he's been suckered into a bet by two of his siblings. And, and there's a great scene where she just shows up on the bench, and she looks at him, and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> she's like, why are you letting him pull your strings like this? Because he even knows that's what they're doing. And right. He, and he's like... Something oh, like, they got him with a sucker bet. Right, yeah. Ah. It was a sucker bet, but he wanted a challenge, and she was like, all right, man, whatever. She's <laughs> like, as long as you know they're playing you. Right. Uh, yeah, she's a great character. All right, um... Olivia, let's go to your news story first. Okay, so um, there's a couple really big titles that came out this week that I wanted to point out. Um, crossover is Danny Kate's big image title that's coming out. I'm not going to say much about it because everything is probably like some kind of low-key spoiler. But this is going to be the next big book that's coming out. Definitely something you want to pick up both as a reading copy and a collectible and it'll pave the way for a potential crossover okay. to a lot of different things. Um, uh, Enos, did you pick up your poll yet? No. Olivia, put a copy of that in Enos' poll. Okay, absolutely. Because she told me about it today, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's happening. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you, did you get my note? When I, I said, Okay, I outstanding. You, you know, absolutely. they didn't come out today either. It didn't? No. Uh, I'll be doggone. Somebody else had said that was coming out today, and I was looking for it on the shelf, and I'm like, that, that's not it. I'm, I'm putting up there misleading people. That's what them stuff is. Yeah, yeah you is. I put you down for it. You're fine. Thank you. Doggone it. Well, oh. <laughs> I, I'm assuming I'm down for it just because I have Batman already. So. Yeah. If not, uh, Olivia's over there making notes now. I can see her just kind of jotting yeah. it down. Um, <laughs> and what else did you have? So the other big one, and this is actually kind of my personal read of the week, Department of Truth, it's, number two actually came out last week, but I'm finally catching up on my reading pile. Again, this is a whole thing that I don't want to say too much because you need to just read it with fresh eyes and fresh ears. It is so good. I will say this is my favorite independent comic I've ever read, and I hope that's saying a lot. Uh, minus all the Neil Gaiman stuff, because it's always going to be my favorite in the fantasy department. It's cool conspiracies. It's a very weird, eclectic artwork. It's great. Number one came out about a month ago. The second print came out this coming week. Um, it's already almost sold out, but that's my next big recommendation. Awesome. So, uh, guys, going forward for all our listeners, uh, since Gateway Comics and Toys uh, is our sponsor, we're going to start doing um, recommendations by the store staff um, of hot titles and things that you should be reading or that they just liked and said, hey, pick this book up. Um, so did you get any other this week or is it just those two that you have? Olivia? That's it for now. Those are the two big ones, and they're kind of like the general consensus that we've all been reading and pushing. All right, great. So I have actually two that I'm going to push, um, and I know that the new issue just came out today because I picked it up, but Batman number 101 is the 
uh, follow-up to the um, the Joker War. If you're not reading Batman, 101 is the issue you want to jump on. Um, if you're not reading Batman, the first question is why, obviously. Um, because, <laughs> but yeah, Batman 101, I love the new status quo um, that they established in, in that issue. Uh, if you didn't read the Joker War, which I'm assuming most of you did, Batman's lost all his money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when Selena Kyle gets it back, she doesn't give it to him. She gives it to Lucius Fox. Um, so I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but Batman 101 is fantastic. It is pretty much wiping the slate clean of the status quo of the last easily 20, 30 years. Right. And, and establishing a, a new operating dynamic for Batman. So, I, and I know um, Gateway still has some in their store. I'm sure all the other um, comic shops out there do as well. 102 just dropped today. Um, and I can tell you a lot of people are now word of mouth in Batman 101. So if you haven't got it and you already went to your comic shop, go back out tomorrow, pick up Batman 101. Trust me, the new direction is going to be awesome. Oh, yes. Most definitely. And also, um, and this one too, I, I actually picked up issue four today because it just came out. Um, at Vault Comics, written by Tim Seeley with art by Dev Pramanik and Nathan Gooden, Vampire the Masquerade by Vault Comics. Um, I actually picked up issues one through three um, off of their website uh, a couple of weeks ago. What's funny is the whole reason I got this is, you know, the Diamond Comic previews that we get every month, right, with the stuff that's coming out. Um, somewhere on the line, I saw a cover for Vampire the Masquerade issue five. I'm like, man, that looks really good. And I'm like, I wanted to read this when it came out because I played that RPG. So I went ahead. I put five on my pull list with uh, – anyway – and then I went to Vault, and I got issues one through three. And I said, okay, this is really good. It ties right into the Camarilla. If you've ever played Vampire and the Masquerade, they are just taking all of those elements, like the Camarilla and the Masquerade and the Cadiffs and, and, and the new uh, Vampire Kindred, and they're just tying all right into this really great storyline. Issue four came out today. Pick it up at your comic shop. You can still get issues one through three. I think I even found them on mycomicshop.com. So good stuff by Tim Silly. Pick it up, guys. All right. Madman, have you got a news item by chance? Uh, I do not. I've been busy trying to engineer. Uh, okay. okay. Not a problem. Uh, so let's get to the show and tell. So I know that Enos brought in a show and tell that ties into um, today's episode. Madman and I are taking a step back from two weeks ago and showing off something we didn't get to show off the first time. So I'm going to go ahead and hop across the screen here to Olivia and Tommy and let you guys go first. You want to go first or should I go first, Olivia? Ladies first. first. There we I'm go. Sorry. You said you'll go first? Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually have two. One's very cool, and the other one's like a personal fun favorite. Um, I'll start with the, the CGC signed and sketched oh, wow. Kevin Eastman TMNT number four. Wow. Nice. Very Try cool. Trying to get in better lighting. Um, and this one's just kind of a fun one, but it came in last week. It's... Mr. Spock's Guide to Mindfulness. <laughs> that is In a nice. universe that seems to have gone mad, we turn to mindfulness to restore sanity. And who better to teach us wisdom than Mr. Spock, that beacon of calm, rational thought? Yeah. Cool. I will be reading this today. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, what do you got? So, um, Last week we were a couple weeks ago. Olivia bought in the X Men Annual, which was the first cameo appearance of, of Gambit. So I figured this week I would show off the first full appearance of Gambit, X Men ah. Two Sixty Six. Oh, this is the one where you say it is the first appearance because you have it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So 
this is definitely the definitive first appearance of Gambit because this is the one that I own. The other one is indeed just a cameo and not as big a deal. All this right, so is, if you had a Hulk 180 and 181. <laughs> Here we go again. If I had a Hulk 180 and 181, I would say that, that my pick for the first appearance would be 181 because more than likely I would have paid more for that. And I <laughs> <laughs> okay, by, I like this application. Well, I would have shelled out more money for the 181, so... Right. Like so more money, I would still say that that was the first pick. Now, if I had paid the same amount for for both of them, yeah, one eighty. Okay, sure, that's fine. But you know, it would depend on which what one that I, I paid more for because you know that's the one that I'd want to be the first appearance. All right, fair enough then. All right, so over to the comic cam. Um, Madman has brought in the most hated book in all of the comic universe. What are you talking about? <laughs> X Men number one. X Men number one. It's uh, almost thirty years old. It's a mutant. Milestone, right? And there's like what six covers of this thing? Yeah, but that's only one of them. So, <laughs> right. Well, what you need to do is you need to get it CGC graded right. because we are still going to plan the Lost in a Long Box burning of X Men number one and, and make it valuable uh, bonfire. Right, right. Um, where I'm going to get a copy of each one, get it graded, and get a C CGC nine point eight, and then burn the rest of them. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, it's funny that that you posted this one up, Madman, because I was on Facebook today, and on, and on one of the uh, the comic book sales pages on there, someone was trying to sell this book for thirty dollars. Right. Wow. Now yeah. you read that wrong, Tommy. He's given you thirty dollars to take the book. Well, you know, and you know, the funny thing about that is that's not enough. I wouldn't take that book for thirty dollars because I've already got no. like two of each. Each one. So. Right, so back to the comic cam. I brought in X Men 101, first appearance oh, of the Phoenix. Oh, great cover. Oh. That, that's Randy. another. Huh? Go ahead, Tommy. Randy, you're killing me, buddy. You're killing me. <laughs> why, why am I killing you? No, you have no idea how much I want that book. Is this another of those books? Okay, I am not just going to take this off my shelf and give it to you like I did the uh, well, Marvel Super Heroes 12. You know, I'm not expecting you to do that, but man, that's that's one I've wanted for a while. That, that's another one that I bought from my buddy down in DragonCon that I go there every year that usually always has all this nice stuff on the wall and, and lets me look as long as I want. And when I hand him a couple of books, he's like, let's just put that in your pile. I'm like, what if I'm done? I'm like, well, you're not done. Just keep looking. I'm like, oh, okay. And <laughs> so. Yeah, the last time we were at AwesomeCon, I talked to a guy about this one, but we were just too far apart on price for the condition that he what had did he, it in, so I didn't and this is, I don't, You can't see this up close, but this is a beautiful book. Yes, it's in great condition. Yeah, so. it looks like it's really, really great condition. Yeah, because this, this this, is definitely one that's like at the top of my list for ones I want. So yeah, I'm, I'm very, very jealous right now. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's that's in my, my one long box of what I call my uh, high-end items. And then tonight's uh, episode, we're going to be talking about The Phantom. So Enos has brought in a book that ties to it, Phantom number three. Um, this is from the Marvel run too. Um, and if I remember correctly from my notes, um, this is an original story done by the creator of the Phantom, Lee Falk, right? No. No? This was done by two of Australia's top Phantom writer, top Phantom writer, one of the top Phantom writers, and one of their more popular artists, David DeVries and Glenn Lumsden. Okay, now, did they take over the strip when he quit no. uh, in the late 90s? Who no. was in the late 90s? In the late 90s, it was, um, I believe, Graham Nolan that took over. Okay. And, I mean, I have... And I have... Um, you got it in your three-page of notes? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get to that in just a minute. I see you got, like, your entire fan collection in the... In the Almost, not studio. all. You want to show me this one, too? <laughs> what is this one? Oh, oh, Gold Key. And damn it, Gold Key. Um, hey, you want to put them up there? Copy of Gold Key's Phantom. 
Um, again, the same problem that I always have with Gold Key. Um, there's never yeah, a nope. number on yep. the freaking cover, so you don't know. Could be issue one. Could be issue 111. <laughs> you, just, you, don't, never... you have to open it. Right. Pull it out of the bag and board. So, anyway, tonight we are going to be discussing the Phantom um, and his... I always kind of like that whole slogan for him, Slam Evil. Yeah. Um, I don't think that came around until... 96? 90, yeah. It, it was specifically done for the movie. Right. So, I already mentioned it, but he was created by a gentleman named Lee Falk in February of 1936. Uh, predates uh, The Man of Steel. But two years, Batman by three. Right. And and it's actually, he premiered in a comic strip, not the comic books. Right. Um, so, and I think he's right up there with like Tarzan and uh, who else? One of the other, Mandrake the Magician was one of the earliest comics. That strips, was another right? fall creation. Right. So, and, and that's actually why he got created because the success of Mandrake the Magician, King Features, who I guess was the number one company for comic strips, said, what can what else can you do? What can you give us? Um, and this is how we got um, Falk. So uh, I didn't know this. He originally tried his hand at a King Arthur strip um, after that, and it failed horribly. Right. <laughs> they were like, no, we don't want this. Now, let's think back about this for a second. Like, what? two of the number one boyhood heroes at the time was Robin Hood and King Arthur. And a King Arthur strip didn't make it. Right. And, I, and how ironically... Prince Prince Valiant came along right. and just blew everybody out of the water. Right. Which was which was pretty much just a rip off of, of King Arthur. But, but, but yeah. he, he <laughs> actually was he did serve under King Arthur. Okay. Well, Madman sounds like he was going to say something. No, I said he blew him out of the water and it was a, it was a copy. You know? Right. Absolutely. Um, so the great thing that about the Phantom is um, he obviously um, has a couple of things that we find um, in a modern comic book hero number one they hold blank eyes in the right. costume that was the first done by him and then he's considered a bit of a bridge character because he doesn't have any superpowers but he's also like the first character that had the flashy costume right um paving away for obviously everybody else right um and it and it's funny because it was done in comic strip now here's here's what i find kind of fascinating about that his success was in comic strips right so how did the comic book start? It started as reprints of the comic strip. So why was the Phantom not being reprinted? You ever stop and think about that? Exactly. One of the most successful comic strips wasn't being reprinted in the comic books when it started. Nope. You think that would have been a shoe-in. Um, I also really like his origin. Enos, why don't you talk about the origin? Because he's like the first one to have, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A legacy. Like Legacy, yes. Well, the Phantom actually begins as um, his father was a captain on a ship and um, who, who was once under the employ of Christopher Columbus because uh, Lee Falk was a big history buff. So he liked, well, one of the things that has created, that has contributed to the Phantom's longevity is the fact that he, that he is able to um, meld in fiction with actual historical events. And the um, and everyone knows the Phantom as Kid Walker, but actually his real name is Christopher Standish. And um, when the, the Singh Brotherhood attacked the uh, ship that his father was a captain of, and uh, Captain Standish was killed, um, the um, he washed ashore to the Bandar region, and the skull of the man of the uh, of the remember the Singh Brotherhood that killed his father washed ashore. And on that skull 
Kit made a vow to fight all forms of piracy, greed, and cruelty, and all forms of evil. Thus began the Phantom. And uh, the great thing about the Phantom, and another thing that has contributed to his longevity, is that he is the first comic book character that actually has a legacy, where in comparison to where Batman has been Bruce Wayne for 80 years, never aged a bit, and you see the same with Peter Parker and all the other um, um, major superheroes. The Phantom actually does not, he actually ages. You actually see the process of where it is passed down from father to son, from generation unto generation. And um, the, But there, you were talking earlier about a catchphrase. There is a catchphrase that comes with the Phantom. And it's, and it's simply for those who came in late. And then that's when they go into details about the Phantom's origin and where he is. Now, um, for more for most of the uh, most of the time, we have been um, thrilling to the exploits of the Twenty First Phantom. And there have been other Phantoms over the years who got married and got sons, and the sons went were sent away to they were trained when they were young, but they were sent away when they become young men to go to college, get an education, continue to hone their athletic skills until that fateful day they get the call that their father is gravely has been gravely injured or have been killed and he is summoned back home to the skull cave uh to uh up to take to up to take up the mantle of the phantom and being that you know is from father to son there's very little difference in look between the father and the son so whenever the enemies of the Singh brotherhood or anyone who comes to the bandar region of africa um thinks that they're they're fighting a guy they can't kill and the bandar tribe helped to help to keep help upkeep, so to speak, all the legends of the Phantom, where they call him the ghost who walks, the man who never dies, the guardian of the eastern dark, and helps keep all of that to, to strike that era of fear, that um aura or um air of fear, um to anyone who is coming to the, the Bandar region to do no good. That's amazing, because I was actually reading all my notes I have on that, about Bengala and his legacy, right. and and all the nicknames for it. I'm thinking, man, he is just pulling it right from memory. <laughs> <laughs> he was a, he was one of Batman was my first comic book. My first comic book was The Brave and the Bold number 101, Batman and Metamorpho, <laughs> art by Jim Apero and written by Bob Haney. But my father, may he rest in peace. When he used to take me to the barbershop on Thursdays, there was a supermarket right up the road from the barbershop where you could go and get um, a, a bag of three comics for like less than a dollar. And it was a smorgasbord, but most of the time it was Charlton. And it was through Charlton Comics that I was exposed to the Phantom. Once I saw him on um, Riding Hero, I was hooked. You didn't mention his uh, trained wolf devil. Oh, I was about to get to. I was, I was about to get to him too, and uh, and also he um, also has a, a this wolf named Devil, and uh, it was kind of funny when you watch the Phantom film. If you watch with Billy Zane, they have a um, they had someone to like teach the wolf to follow him. And it was like he just was made to follow because they um it was like Christy Swanson who played um 
Diana said she was holding on for dear life because if she fell off that horse, she knew what was going to happen. He, uh, devil was going to eat her. Yeah, devil was going to eat her. So, um, and but but he's been like ever since he was a cub. Um, the Phantom has raised him. The um, his horse Hero was given to him by an Arabian prince as a gift for saving his life. And they had they along with the um, the Phantom's rings, the jungle lore, have been what has kept him around for uh, eighty four years. So, two things that I find interesting about this too: um, Lee Falk, when he created the Phantom, gave him tights, which he says was inspired by Robin Hood. Right. <laughs> because of the Errol Flynn movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then also, too, uh, keeping in mind, everybody, The Phantom starts as a comic strip, and it was a serialized adventure. And those just didn't happen in comic strips by the, back then. I mean, you had your exceptions, obviously. But remember, who was reading the comic strips? Kids. Right. You're, you're asking a lot of a kid to keep up with a serialized adventure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it was a, a daily strip as um, during the week and a, a color strip on Sundays. Um, and it looks like it's still going as of today. Right. And in 1966, the Phantom was in 583 newspapers worldwide. And at its peak, it was read by more than 100 million people. Which is and pretty impressive. Very impressive. And, and, and the thing that angers me more than anything else in the world, this character should be one of the most revered characters out of all the... Uh, one of the most revered characters um, out of all the comic characters, but yet there are people who have no respect for this guy whatsoever. And um, especially when he got his start over here. But thank goodness, Phantom is worldwide, and he is a cultural icon in Australia. And, I, I was just to say, it's still a huge publication in Australia. Right, and and through public and through publications, uh, which is pretty big, puts out a big magazine type um comic, black and white, every month, and they have been doing so for a number of years of diff of uh, evil reprints, and sometimes they do things, some things new, and um. The guys who did the art on the uh, Marvel Phantom that you showed on Show and Tell got their start with Fruit. I, I looked for one of those things too the last yeah. time I was over there, and I just I could not find one. But the irony is, people knew what I was looking for when I asked them about right. it. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Phantom is very big. He's so big in Australia. One of his first acting acting jobs was a parody of the Phantom by Crocodile Dundee himself, Paul Hogan. Oh, wow. And, um... Did I, Mike? Exactly. And it was, like, very, very interesting how well he did the Phantom. And, like, you know, there's been... like The Phantom has not just been relegated to just comics. Uh, Comics-driven comic books. His first on-screen appearance was in 1943 as part of the Columbia um, Pictures serial of the same name, which starred Tom Tyler, who was the first... Captain Marvel. I was, I was saying, I recognize the name Tom Tyler right. being one of the other serials. Um, and here's what's funny. So you have all the serials, serials, obviously, for Batman and Superman and Captain Marvel, whose success was in comic books, right. obviously. Um, but the Phantom still doesn't get printed in comics till the 50s. Exactly. And he's already getting a serial in 1943 when all he was was a comic strip. Exactly. And that's how popular he was because the newspapers, man, um, I think the biggest comic strips back during that time period was Flash Gordon, um, 
the Phantom. I want to say Buck Rogers. Yeah. Um, I want to say also, um, I'm not really sure about when he first appeared, but Steve Canyon. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Steve Canyon, Dick Tracy. Um, oh, my God. Uh, Tarzan was a tom- comic strip character at one time. Yep. The sky's the limit. A lot, of, a lot of our popular heroes got their start in the pages of the comic strips. You know, you talked about uh, the serials, and you mentioned Flash Gordon. And all I can ever think about was that rocket clearly on the string yeah. with a sparkler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. love that movie. And, 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 and you want to know what, what, what's so hilarious about that? Those movies still hold up. Oh, yeah. No, they and, don't. And, and, no, uh, they don't. And, and uh, don't Universal lie. did a great no, job. They don't. Well, look, I'll put it this way. <laughs> Those movies, the reason why they're so popular was solely on the charisma and acting ability of Buster Crab. He's got charisma. Charisma. Yeah. I mean, and, <laughs> and, and, and it was like um, with when you watched um, the Flash Gordon serials, when you saw Buster Crab, you didn't see him. You saw Flash Gordon. And that's why they were so popular. And um, but but there were some different, like with all movies, and this was no different back in 1943, the um, Phantom's real name in this movie, in, in this um, movie series, was Jeffrey Prescott. Right. It's another name change. Yeah. And, there was, and Devil was played by a German Shepherd. There was no hero. And well, You know what's really great about the Phantom 2? Let's think about this for a moment. Superman is Kal-El, Clark Kent. Right. You change that, it's not Superman. Everybody says, no, you can't put X in, in Superman. Even if it's John Kent, no, he's not Superman. Right. Batman is Bruce Wayne. Y- you can make a little bit of an argument that I'll accept Dick Grayson as Batman for a lot of people. Right. But other than that, that's it. Right. Wonder Woman's Diana Prince. Oh. Captain, Captain America, Steve Rogers. Down right. the line. Right. But well, Phantom, yeah, Madman, go ahead. Well, I mean, I think that's what Enos was talking about. He was the first legacy character in in terms that that um, uh, it was the it's, first person who decided that Phantom was an identity that right. was interchangeable. I mean, when Batman first came out, there was no this. Uh, yeah, he wanted to be a symbol to strike heart, you know, fear in the hearts of uh, evil men. But I mean, at the same time, you didn't expect anyone else in that costume, and that's why when Azrael was selected to become the new Batman, there's a whole bunch of fans going, "What? Yeah. Right." So maybe that's maybe that's why it works so good for Phantom because right from the get go the kids are told don't get used to this guy he's not going to be your Phantom forever right exactly and and um, it's and it's um, you'll see in the card collection I'll show in a few moments you'll see where um, it's it's the continued um, circle of life so to speak or ritual for the young Phantom to have to come home. And bury his father, take the oath, and once his father takes his last breath, 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 <laughs> he's the he is the new Phantom. So I think what's really interesting with the character, what kind of struck out for me, is it's it's so regionally popular, and it was based on Air, or not Arizona, <laughs> excuse me, Australia and everything. But from a pop culture standpoint. You have all your mainstream characters, like the DC characters, Marvel, etc. But there's more of like a cult following with the Phantom because it's such an oddly specific storyline. And it has that constant revival of the character and everything. Um, I was not totally familiar with the Phantom. You know, it's something that I always heard. You pointed it out before. 
But as I delved into like researching the character more and everything, as we were going to talk about this, that's what stuck out to me the most is that the people who love the Phantom really love the Phantom. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a dedicated fandom. Right. And those fan bases have grown considerably because at the time of the 1996 release, there was one really major Phantom fan club called the Friends of the Phantom. And uh, it was run by a gentleman by the name of Ed, Ed Rhodes, who has, soon, who has since passed away. But now the Phantom has grown to be even bigger. You know, I remember um, we were doing a show once, and I was telling you guys that I um, got into an argument on a... Um, group page that you tommy and myself are a part of the guy had the audacity to tell me the phantom doesn't make it hasn't made any revenue he does, he's done nothing for the community i'm like uh <laughs> he's done nothing for the community but he's been around longer than two of the biggest characters and 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 i and, and i told him i want you to stop and think about something how are you going to sit there and say he hasn't generated generate any revenue he's been around for 84 years he's had movies he's got merchandise and what have you he has generated steady income or steady revenue and he's still relevant to this day so what do you mean he hasn't done anything for the community no response but you know uh but um they clam up when you throw facts at him i don't know oh what yeah that is. i don't know what it, well Hey, look, <laughs> like James Brown said, don't start none, won't be none. Anyway. Well, I think there's a problem when it comes to some fans that they only see that, like, uh, a, lot of, a lot of comic book fans, they fall in love with one character right away, you know? And for a lot of us, that's Batman. Yeah. And so, um, and in a lot of people's minds, and whether it's Batman or whether it's, like, Wolverine or something like that, and in some collectors' minds, you know, it seems like there's not room for both of them. You know, for both the Phantom and in the in Batman or your whatever character you fell in love with, exactly. And it's like you know, there's there's people who read Be- Blue Beetle, there's people who read Doctor Strange comic books, there's people who read The Spectre. You know, it's it's there's a bunch of eclectic work out there, and I think the variants, you know, all all this all these are uh, just beautiful variations in the uh, in the art form that we anyone can fall in love with. Right, there's room for all of us. Oh yeah, most definitely. Now, um, now um, the Phantom has also, other than just the movie serials, um, after 1943, you didn't. He was strictly relegated to comics and comic strips. And in uh, 1972, uh, ABC had a uh, Saturday morning was more like towards Saturday afternoon because it came on like about 11:30 or 12 o'clock. It was a hour long animated feature called the Saturday Superstar Movie. And they did, um, you saw Daffy Duck and the Groovy Ghoulies. Um, They did Tabitha from Bewitched. They did Gidget. (laughs) And, yeah, believe it or not, they did Gidget from the old TV show. Now, whether Sally Field did the voice, I'm not sure. But there was one particular, um, and they even did one on Willie Mays. And now, uh, and uh, Oliver Twist, and but there was one particular animated feature that stuck out called Popeye Meets the Man Who Hated Laughter. If you were not a fan, of, <laughs> I think I actually remember. That. If if you were a fan of the, the the King Feature Syndicate family of characters from Popeye to Snuffy Smith, 
from Flash Gordon to Steve Canyon and the Phantom, they all made appearances in this animated film. Cannot find it anywhere on DVD, surprisingly, but that wound up is only was shown twice in 1972 and in 1974. And then from that point on, up until for 22 years, we didn't see the Phantom in any other um, form of junk, form of our. Uh, though I guess we're on media until and the 96 movie with, until the, uh, until the 96 movie with Billy Zane but during that time period 1977 which wound up being a very controversial move Lee Falk decided to have the Phantom and Diana get married and um, a lot of people raised hell about it because Diana was Ooh. was more like the she was the antithesis antithesis of women's lib. She was her own woman. She was a career woman. She had a job at the UN and she was able, she was, she was basically quote unquote, a superwoman for that time frame because she was able to hold on to her job at the UN, but come back to the skull cave and help raise their twin children, uh, Kit and Heloise. Now there's another interesting fact about the phantom. Also, there's also been a female phantom. I, I was going to ask you, has there been a woman as a Phantom? Yes. Um, the, when the Phantom um, was injured, his sister Julie, I can't remember which Phantom it was, but his sister Julie took over and uh, for about, I think it was about three weeks or so, and she was able to convince the people and the evildoers that uh, she was the real deal. Now, fast forward to, um, I was wrong. Um, after 1974, it was 12 years before we saw the Phantom on screen Wait, again. Hang on a second. I want you to say that again while I record it. That you were wrong. <laughs> that, yeah, that's not something that happens very right? often. We gotta yeah. make sure we have that recorded. And right. Documented. And I stand corrected. It was 12 <laughs> years instead of 22 years before we saw the Phantom on screen again. It was on one of my favorite animated series, Defenders of the Earth. Oh, in nineteen eight yes. in nineteen eighty six. That was one of the ones that I remember see remember every year um in the fall, uh your comic books had that two page cartoon spread. Exactly. And I remember Defenders of the Earth being one of the ones that was ever right. Had. Now this was produced coincidentally by Mount by Marvel Productions, who were um putting out the Transformers and G.I. Joe at the time. This put um Flash Gordon, Mandrake the Magician, Lothar and the Phantom together with their children. The Phantom coincidentally had a daughter by the name of Jetta. Now, there's an interesting tidbit from this show. The Phantom was voiced by Peter Mark Richmond, who, for any of you 70s babies, if you remember the TV series Longstreet, he was James Franciscus's ally at the insurance company, but he is best remembered as playing Suzanne Summers' father, Reverend Snow, on... Dom Three's company, but there's an interesting oh, wow. and there's an interesting twist to that. Peter Mark Richmond is the father-in-law, and I'm, I'm gonna see if you guys can get it. There was a voice actor who was who voiced one of one of the children of the Defenders of the Earth, who went on to become um a, one of the big a member of the ensemble of one of the most beloved animated series ever. You guys know who he is? You know we don't know our animated. Why do you do this? <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Lauren Lester. 
who we know as Robin and Nightwing from Batman the Animated Series, not only was the voice of Rick Gordon, the Flash Gordon's son, but he wound up becoming the son-in-law of Peter Mark Richmond by marrying his daughter. Huh. Okay. So, so you know, this is this is what I'm seeing here right now. Enos was wrong about something, so now he's got to drop a bunch of knowledge on us. Uh, right. right. I didn't make up for being wrong. Standard. Let me throw a bunch of facts at you that you won't check me on. <laughs> and and this wound up becoming a very widely popular series. And there was an episode that introduced the Phantom's evil twin brother, Kurt. And you saw the original Phantom um, make a um, make an appearance. And uh, his go- his essence comes back and everything. So we never see Jetta become actually a phantom, but she is um, definitely um, understanding of her legacy and is more than ready to take it on. And like with the phantom having hero and devil, she had a black uh, panther named Tisa. I mean, Kisa, I think. So let's let's jump into the comics on the phantom because it's, Amazing to me that it runs um, for 20-some years before, well, okay, not 20-some years, um, 10, 15 years before we get any comic book series. Um, Because the first guys who do it, um, ironically enough, um, was Harvey Comics. Yeah. um, Who, you know, we know now for... Casper the Friendly Ghost. Casper (laughs) and all that, and they they did the Phantom. So that that alone is just kind of like, really, Harvey Comics? Um, The actual serials were being reprinted in Ace Comics. Um, which was Harvey, right? Yeah, published yep. by Harvey. Um, but then, and of course, our our friends here, 1962, Gold Key Comics takes over. Exactly. Um, and I tell you what, the more and more I read about Gold Key, the more I think I want to start buying their series. Um, because their Star Trek stuff was really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Star Trek covers were great, too. Obviously, they did the fan I, I really like them. And for you guys out there who really like to collect some vintage comics, uh, I mean, some of those nicer silver and bronze, let me tell you what, the Gold Key series, all of them, are getting really hard to find. Bingo. Um, so, and, and the King ones, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I say, and then King Comics in 1966 took over. And the one that just still freaks me out, because I, I don't even remember this, but until I read it, Charlton did a, a Phantom series. You have any of the Charltons? Yeah, see, you got it right there. Um, that's Jim Apparel. That's a spotlight from Hermes Press on Jim Apparel. Yeah, here, here we go. So there's a hardcover collection of... Uh, I'll put it on the comic cam? Of, of, of the Charlton comics. Now, how many issues of the Charlton series were there? Is that booked a whole run? I'm, I know I, I know it was uh, 70... I think it was seventy three issues that was done. Right. Okay. But two of the mo- but the three most uh um Bill Ignante was one of the artists on the King Run and as well as Gold Key. For um Charlton, it was Pat Boyette, Jim Apparel, and the late great Don Newton. I say Don Newton's also a part of this too. And here is and his run was so popular that Hermes Press devoted and met um Randy's getting ready to show it to you now, devoted an entire v- book to his run, which is arguably one of the most popular and best run best runs on um of the Phantom during Newton's um legacy uh, Newton, I'm sorry, Newton's tenure there. And um as you know, like Jim Apero, he went on to do Batman and the rest is history. And tragically, he left us 
of uh, suffering a um, heart attack in 1984, 85. I can't remember exactly. I think it was 84. And um, but if you, if I recommend, if you want to get any of the books, definitely invest in the Hermes Press, Don Newton, um, Spotlight, and Jim Apparel. Great stuff. Um, great action. That's a cool cover. And one thing too, you were talking about the uh, the Australian books and everything like that. I, I was looking on looking online while we were talking here, and I found a site that that sells that does sell some of them. Um, it ran the, the one of them ran from 1948 to 2017. Oh yeah, yeah. And has 1,798 issues. Issues. Yep. Wow. That's insane. It's, it's right up there with uh, Classics Illustrated, which just ran for years and was in the thousands long before Action and Detective, any yeah. of those guys. 1,798 issues. Right. Uh, but I find it funny, Enos, that there's a bit of a dry spell after um, Charlton in 1977. Yep. And we don't get anything until DC in 1988. Right. And that was a series that was written by... Peter David, right. um, written and um, art was done by the late great Joe Orlando and Dennis and um, inks by Dennis Janke. And there was um, and the covers were by Dave Gibbons from uh, Watchmen. Right. And uh, that was that series was okay, but like they had in 1989, they to 1990 they had a. Uh, Phantom series, uh, monthly series that lasted 13 issues where the art was, uh, Mark Verheiden did the writing and um, Luke McDonald from Iron Man uh, did the artwork. He should have stayed on Iron Man. I noticed too that part of the reason they give for the cancellation of the series was for licensing issues. Right. Um, so I, that had to have been, well, there's probably, think about it. You had Gold Key, you had King Comics, you had Harvey, you had Charlton, and you also had King Features. So there was probably more than one party involved into who owns the rights to this character. Exactly. And at the time the Phantom series um, came out, um, and ironically, Marvel, eight years later, did the exact same... Um, yeah, eight years later, uh, did the exact same thing. DC got a package deal license with um, and did a Flash Gordon miniseries, a Phantom miniseries, and I can't remember if they did a Mandrake one or not. I don't think so, but the Flash Gordon miniseries was drawn by Dan Jurgens. Also, too, um, you were talking about the TV series Defenders of the Earth uh, right. came out in the early 70s. Marvel Comics did a miniseries in 1987 that's based off that team. Yeah. So, and and I didn't know that they had tied that back in there. Right. Um. And it's uh. Stan Lee wrote it. Yeah. So, and Steve Ditko drew it. Right. Well, you know. Oh, what? No, 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 no. I take that back. No, Fred Fredericks, uh, Alex Saviuk, and Fred Fredericks uh did the artwork on that. I'm thinking about the um. You're thinking I, there's a pinup um by Ditko and John Romita in in the books. Right. And there was a um in 1994, the same year that Marvel put out their Phantom series by Dave DeVries and uh, Glenn Lumsden, there was a animated series with designs by Peter Chung from Aeon Flux called Phantom 2040. And Marvel did a little, did a tie-in, um, tie-in comic book series with art done by the late, great Steve Ditko. So I, I do know that, um, I guess in 2007, Moonstone, 
who who's known for uh, I guess hardcovers, right? Put out a a, paper, a hardcover collection of it. And they got in trade paperback. Oh, they did put them in trade. Okay, those are going to fall if you don't. There we gotcha. go. Uh, but also, uh, I know that I'm not going to put these up there because we're we're running low on time. Right. But I also know that in 2010, our friends Dynamite did a new yeah, Phantom they did. series. The um, last and I, Phantom. And I think they might also incorporate him into a couple of series of uh, collected heroes, right? Yep. So. And that series, The Last Phantom, wound up being rather uh, controversial because the guy who ultimately becomes the Phantom was married and was married to an African lady and had a son, and they were both murdered. And so that laid the groundwork for um, that Kit Walker to become the new Phantom, but there was a twist. Everyone thought that his father was dead. He wasn't. Huh. And and he actually was literally a ghost because the suit was enabling him to turn invisible. And you know what? I uh, just realized you might be able to find these other ones too. It looks like um, in 2013 there was a miniseries of the Phantom as well, um, joining him with Flash Gordon against uh, Ming the Merciless and, and also with uh, Mandrake the Magician. So that yep. might be a good series to find. Yep. See, I didn't know Dynamite did all these. Yeah, it did. Because um, they also, it looks like in 2016, started another crossover series of all the King features. So like Phantom, Mandrake, Flash Gordon, Prince Valiant, Jungle Jim, and, and King's Quest. What is King's Quest? I don't uh, know that one. Uh, that was, um, I didn't get there, but I did read the press on that. That um, It was like they brought them together to go on one specific quest. I can't remember if that was the one with uh, Ming the Merciless or not. Because see, when I hear King's Quest, I think of the old Sierra game. Yeah. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Those games were great. That's poor. Wow. That can be before Olivia's time. She's like, well, "What's yep. King's Quest?" <laughs> King's Quest. You know what was even better? Space Quest: Adventures of Roger Wilco. Ooh. Oh come on! You're <laughs> never, you're never gonna top the Leisure Suit Larry series. Yeah, oh. that's, that was a good one too. <laughs> Mad Men, Larry, and Land of Lounge Lizards. <laughs> I saw that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That uh, Olivia put up, and all I could think of was Raphael going, Cricket, nobody understands cricket. <laughs> cricket. You gotta understand what a crumpet is to understand cricket. <laughs> yeah, that was the only, uh, that was the only um, exposure I had to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I never read the comics. I only mm-hmm. ever watched that one movie, and I don't know how many of them they've made since then. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I just used to love the original, the original cartoon. Oh, yeah. You remember that Nintendo game, how hard it was? Oh, yeah. oh my no, God. Oh, my God. Did anyway, the arcade game. The arcade game was great. Yeah, oh fun. yeah, arcade game was on point. Th- that was a coin eater. It was right through yeah. a gauntlet. Yeah. It was. It was still fun. <laughs> and Olivia's over like, I am just so lost. Yeah, I, what's I, an arcade? I do a show with a bunch <laughs> of old men. And I don't know anything they're talking about. Yeah, Our... arcades were dead before she was born. <laughs> what? I like arcade games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Phantom. Um, uh, you know what? You should have just brought him up as one of your unsung, uh, underrated characters, but. I did. I, I think it was better for a whole show. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, so next week's going to be uh, really fun. We're going to actually talk about the independent publishers, um, one and two, part part one, part two. So next week will be part one. Purposely stay away from Image because they're going to get their own show. Right. Uh, because let's, let's face it, they pretty much are the the one independent everybody wants to be now. Yeah. Um, you guys got any closing remarks on the Phantom? Check him out. It sounds like I'm, you know, I, I have, you know, neglected him for many years, but it sounds like it's Hermes something Press. worth uh, checking out. It's a great oh, concept. okay. Here's that Hermes Press one then. 
I'm going to put that up here real quickly. Uh, yeah, I, I have to say I've never read Anne the Phantom myself, but after doing some of the research on this, I think I'm going to go back and read some of the uh, the older issues. That's a nice jump on point right there. Very sweet. And in fact, I think that's actually what I do is, is start with the comic strips and then get some of the history and then go into the comic books. All right, so... That is all the time we have for this week. I want to remind everybody, Mad Men does Shock Monkey Radio every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, we do have our uh, Facebook group, Batman Yesterday, Today, and Forever, Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture, Gather Together the Greatest Superhero Teams. Make sure you go to the Facebook page for our sponsor, Gateway Comics and Toys. Um, if you go in there and you're here in the Fredericksburg, Spotsylvania, Stafford, Virginia area, please make sure you tell Olivia and Ed and anyone else here that you've heard about your store through Lost in the Long Box. Um, want to make sure that their advertising dollars working for them. Um, have our Facebook group as well, facebook.com slash Lost in the Long Box. And then we also have Lost in the Long Box at gmail.com. Please drop us a letter because Tommy is lonely. <laughs> um, remember the three magic words of the internet like, share, and subscribe, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good night, night folks. Watch.